Churchill. I'm a writer, occasional actor and uh, comedian as well. You do so much more though, right? Well, yeah, I do a lot of stuff uh, and maybe that's my problem. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I do too much. So, yeah. uh, the Eisenstein Effect, another name for this program is Overachievers Anonymous. Oh! Okay. Uh, I've had so many people who are like, well, here's a list. You know uh -huh. Elizabeth Taylor. Oh, sure, sure. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Taylor has like a, a list of uh, like Ripley's Believe It or Not behind her, doesn't she? She actually brought a piece of paper with everything listed out that she's done. Did she tell you she was like the youngest pilot? Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, my yes. gosh. That's so crazy. She's just, she's, she's the good kind of lunatic. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah, she really is. So, uh, not to get focused on her though, because this is your episode. Sorry. Right. So, why don't you tell me a little bit about um, how you what do you? What exactly are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Tell me about it. Uh, okay, so what's, <laughs> what's going on right? What's going on right now? Uh, I mean, the main thing in my life right now is I'm actually in grad school doing mm -hmm. communication, you know, stuff, and I'm working on a documentary um, about my mother's like severe psychiatric problems that she had when, when we were kids and how that affected us. But uh, what I'm just finished, which is more of an upbeat thing, yeah. is uh, this audiobook. Uh, it's called Ballad of the Small Talker and it's on Mint 400 Records. Uh, I wrote it and my friend Nate Herman, who's actually like just talk about a list of things that he did. He's, he's uh, been around, you know, doing really interesting, cool stuff since the late 60s. He was in a, a band in the late 60s, early 70s called Wilderness Road that like last year Rolling Stone came out calling them one of the top 20 bands you've never heard of kind cool. of thing. It's like awesome. Um, and he also was in the very first, like what they call it, Second City, The Next Generation. It was, mm -hmm. it was, uh, cause he was the first part of the first touring company. Yeah. And then when they sent the house company to New York and didn't bother to tell them that they weren't going to bring them back, <laughs> they became the new like house team. Uh, -huh. uh, then he became part of National Lampoon and he wrote for Saturday uh -huh. Night Live in the early 80s. Anyway, he's this guy that I feel really honored to be friends with. Yeah. And he told me he really likes my writing and uh, and he had been doing some other stuff with audio and mm -hmm. he wanted to do some voiceover stuff so he was like, I'll read your book. And so we worked on it for nine months and uh -huh. he read my book and it's it's really great because I remember when I was writing it thinking, boy, this character seems a lot like my friend Nate. And so <laughs> that, it worked out real well. You that know? is really awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. Do people usually get to choose who they have as the narrator for their book? Uh, there's a whole bunch of different ways that can can go about it. Mm -hmm. Like uh, you always hear uh, about like people you know they, who do the traditional route, of, like actually getting published. Which I, I haven't actually officially gotten this book published. It's just oh. the audio book is out, right? Okay. So usually you know. Wait, you have, do you not have a print book out? Of no, it? I don't have a print book out, out of it. That's so bizarre. Yeah, we, I, I do everything backwards. Okay. Uh, uh, that's <laughs> like, like what? What this else? Is, this is my problem. Um, <laughs> Okay, 43 years old, I was in bands and in comedy and solo and stuff doing all, all my life and now uh, for the first time ever I'm actually signed to a label right now. For, uh, be, 
And it's because of the audiobook. Because Mint 400 liked the audiobook. They uh-huh. like, and they liked the music that I kind of put in as sort of interstitial, you know, mm-hmm. lead in the lead yeah. out music. And all of a sudden, uh, the, the head of the label's name is Neil Sabatino. Um, he was like, hey, you want to do like a real album? You want to do an album? I'm like, all right, I'll start working on that right away. And I'm mm-hmm. also uh, helping Neil uh, get together sort of a part of the label where people will be doing more soundscapey and spoken word type uh-huh. stuff. Essentially, my audio book was sort of a guinea pig for the, the label, oh. mine and three others. Um, they wanted to start doing this mm-hmm. because they had success with Jamie Campbell's mm-hmm. um, a comedy album. Oh, are you on the same label? I'm on the same oh, label as Jamie okay. Campbell, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and, and again, every time I mention Jamie Campbell, I say positive force in the universe, you know. Uh, ride his coattails. He was on this show, episode three, was he? He was nice. really early on. Yeah. I, yeah, he was, he was a guinea pig for me. So. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, but, uh, but so, yeah, because the thing is, like, Jamie got me hooked up with the label, and, and anyway, so they wanted to do the, the audiobooks, and, you know, we're still figuring out how that whole thing works with promotion and everything right now, but what's nice is um, now Neil has given me more stuff that he would like me to do, mm-hmm. and as Nate... Uh, my narrator again uh, has said, he goes, boy, we really have a, a benefactor of the arts here for us now. And I was like, yeah, we sure do. Because I mentioned Nate because uh, his band that did two albums in the late 60s, mm-hmm. early 70s, or did, maybe they did three, they're actually, 40 years later, mm-hmm. they're putting out a new album on Mint 400 Records um, at so some cool. point in the near future. Um, and I don't know, you know, it's probably not my information to give out, so I won't uh, give out any more yeah, information yeah. than that. But I, I do you. know some of the what's actually going to be on the album kind of stuff, which is fun. That's really cool. And, like, the more interesting, successful people that that label has, like, the more they can do with you, too, right? Yeah, that, that, that's the thing. Like, all I can do is is hope that everybody is doing great because mm-hmm. that's only going to help me. Yeah. You know? um, and I'm having so much fun with, with them. It's just nice to, you know, to have somebody that kind of supports you and, mm-hmm. and is, like, I like what you're doing, do more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, uh, I mean, obviously I've got a lot of stuff going on because I'm still working on promoting the audiobook and I'm mm-hmm. still working on this documentary that's supposed to be done by August. Um, and Have you th- done all of the shooting? I've done most of it. Okay. Most of it at this point. I've interviewed, um, like, all my siblings and my mom and my dad and, mm-hmm. and um, I'm still going to, my therapist is going to let me interview her, oh, wow. uh, which is cool. Because I've had some pretty uh, difficult psychiatric stuff myself, hospitals and oh, dr- wow. drugs and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I mean, not, not illegal drugs, but like, I'm on stuff mm-hmm. um, <laughs> uh, to keep me level. Um, Who isn't these days? Right, right. <laughs> um, but, uh, and also I'm going to interview my wife because mm-hmm. she wants to talk about kind of, well, I think she wants to talk about what kind of a mess I am in general. And how it kind of resulted from being raised the way I was. Oh no! Yeah, I was. Uh, my my mom had like real serious stuff, and I didn't really know the full extent of it until we did all this interviewing. And yeah. the luckily thing, lucky thing with my family is all my siblings—they're all older than me—and mm-hmm. um, we're all really funny. Yeah. And we all really take care of each other. And the, the, my older sibling—well, they're all older. I said that, but my my sister in particular, my sister Debbie, she always points out that we raised each other, mm. um, and that we get through everything with humor and everything. And yeah. I just happen to be the only one who's actually trying to make a living doing the humor thing um yeah like comedy is a coping mechanism yeah yeah and and it's also uh you know you can't help but be funny when your take on the world is a little skewed because like when when you have kind of a messy upbringing it it, it makes you like suspicious of things that normal Mm -hmm. people aren't suspicious of so you might poke around there and see Mm -hmm. where the problems are there it makes you you know it makes you see problems where most people don't see problems Mm -hmm. 
I, I, I know with me, I'm, I'm just realizing kind of where my humor comes from, this sort of uh, in, internal paranoia that I have about every safe situation. I don't trust any of it. Yeah. I mean, you know, you were in, you know, my, uh, you were in a play that I wrote, mm -hmm. um, uh, The Very Important Room, and that whole play was based on my whole, like, suspicion about um, just how even art is capable of being subverted by government mm -hmm. and, and, and authority and yeah. secret powers and that, you know, art's never free. Uh, as long, like, the more successful you get, the less free you are to really be uh, saying something. You yeah. Know? And that was what, you know, luckily we only performed it to five people and, I mean, it was like 160. <laughs> It was like How many people? We, we I don't know. We periscoped it, it though. Yeah. We periscoped it while we were doing it. We literally probably had like three, four hundred people uh, like checked Drop in on in, us. Yeah. You know, during Most the of them were Russians. Yeah, I know. What is it about periscope in Russia? I don't, I don't understand. Know. What's going on? Yeah, there? I also get a lot from Turkey. Do you? Yeah. Have you learned to speak any Turkish? Should no, I, I just... they usually tell me to open boobs. <laughs> Oh. I do not get that very often. That's really odd. Um, they would think. <laughs> right? That's funny. No, uh, I know that I only know one word in Turkish. Uh, well, actually, I know like three. Uh -huh. But I, I, I always surprise when I meet someone from Turkey and they tell me they're from Turkey, I always say merhaba because it just means hello, right? Uh -huh. um, and um, like they look at me like, oh, you know, like, how, why do you know Turkish? And then, of course, you have the danger of them starting to talk Turkish to you. You're like, ah, sorry, that's it. That's all I got. Just had a, yeah. had a friend who was Turkish once. You know? <laughs> I learned one word in that yeah. language. That's all I know. I can, also tell you, I can also tell you I'm fine if you ask me. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> I'll have to guess that that's what you're asking me, but... <laughs> exactly. Because exactly. I forgot what that was. Mm -hmm. yeah. So why don't you tell me a little more about your writing? Um... What do you mean, just in general, like? Yeah, uh, like I mean, you wrote that play. I know you've written a bunch of uh, pilots, right? Sitcom pilots. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, this is the thing we were just talking about. Yeah. It's like I write all the time, and I've realized one day that I've written all this stuff, and I never send anything off. I wait for opportunities to like self-produce stuff, but like that's not really gonna get me where I want to be. I, you know, I had fun. I wrote. I wrote the first play that I wrote that. Uh, well, actually, just the first play that I wrote that was performed, I wrote it and directed it back in 07. Mm -hmm. It's called Chair, and it was a, an absurd comedy, surprise, um, <laughs> about uh, basically five or six characters, I think, sitting in an audience looking at a chair that's on, an empty chair that's on stage trying to figure out what's going on. And <laughs> really? It, lasted for, it lasted for an hour, yeah. Wow. And, and it got a, a highly recommended in the reader. That's awesome. But then I got arrogant. <laughs> I started writing terrible stuff for a couple it's, of years. No, that was yeah. wasn't that the government. It was coming no, down to your No, it was just critics being honest. Um, <laughs> from, yeah, no, I, I I wrote some stuff like immediately after Chair because I wasn't really sure like why Chair got so well received. Yeah. It was the first time I'd ever done anything, and I'm at that time I didn't have a degree in anything. I didn't really have any. I didn't have extensive training mm -hmm. in theater or anything like that. I had some. I had gone partway through school the first time around years ago, mm -hmm. um, but uh, I didn't really kind of understand why it was successful or what, what people were seeing in it that they thought was good. And so when I went back to write the next play, and actually I had already written this other play, I basically just pulled out a play that was an inside joke between me and two friends, uh -huh. which probably would have been funny if those two friends had been in the roles, if the three of us had been in the roles that I wrote originally for the yeah. play. But one had moved away, and I had decided not even to be in it for some reason, and not even direct it. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just, it was, you know, it, it, it just wasn't ready by the time the critics yeah. showed up, and it was, 
it was kind of too inside. Like, yeah. I, I want to say too, in, too idiosyncratically me for, to be generalized out to a, a broader okay, audience. You I know? see. Um, and then, you know, we actually we had some fun. We did sort of a, a, a review, I guess, back in like 09 called 2012. And it was about... Um, it was about a, like a group of people, about, about a group of people <laughs> doing like a, a telethon to raise awareness. It's all public access to raise awareness about the world ending in mm -hmm. 2012, and it had songs and crazy acts uh -huh. and stuff like that. No, but it was performed in a space that I don't even think is a space anymore, and oh. I, it had not been a space before then. <laughs> and no critics came to see it, so we don't know if anybody like that would have thought it was good. But we thought it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of great, we had a great time doing that good. one. And then I. Um, I did make, I did actually make a movie in 2010 um, that like six people have seen, but it got me all these IMDb credits, which is fun. That is awesome, um, yeah. Just raise the money online, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. And it has all these great people in it, and maybe one day when all of them are famous, we'll pull this movie out and go, look where they all, you know, look where they all kind of started. You is know, it, or, what, that was 2010? Uh, yeah. It, uh, so it's a little too well, late to submit it to them. Well, it, right? we started in 2010, we finished in 2012. Some festivals actually just say for as long as you want, but it's also, you know, it's like, I would just leave it in its little time capsule and move on at this point. Okay. Um, it's not bad. <laughs> it's, and it's, it's not bad. It's just that you can tell that it was somebody's first movie. You know? Okay, yeah. Um, it was called Thirsty Blackwater's Karaoke Showdown, and it was basically... Uh, a show about sort of that combined like psychology, magic, and karaoke mm -hmm. uh, as an excuse to play a bunch of my old songs. That's uh, awesome. You know, <laughs> all my friends singing my old songs. Yeah. So, kind of cool. But Why don't like, you tell me a little bit about like the music um, aspect of your background? Well, I was um, so I, uh, I I studied classical guitar mm -hmm. in college the first time around. I, I actually the first time. I keep saying the first time around because I like went to college from like when I was 18 until I was 22 mm -hmm. and then I kind of panicked about because I changed majors a couple of times mm -hmm. and I was panicking about student loans and stuff like that and yeah. I was like I'm gonna take a semester off and figure this out and never to go back 15 years <laughs> later I finally <laughs> go back to school so anyway but the first time around I started off as a theater major and then mm -hmm. I um, then I switched over to music and got started learning to play classical guitar yeah um, and actually, it was funny when I was in music school, mm -hmm. um, or you know, in, in college for music, I had a friend who we were in choir together. And all these years later, I find out she's like a superstar in England. Uh, her, she, her, she goes by the name of Piney Gur, uh, P I N E Y G I R, and she's a friend of mine. And she, she, I'm listening to one of her albums when I found out she was kind of a big deal, and I realized it was one she had tried to teach me when. Uh, we, we had tried to play together. I was like, you're That's still so playing that funny. song? That's awesome. Um, yeah, I was all excited. I had to like send her a Facebook message like, I remember this. That's, That's so great. cool. Um, but uh, but yes, yeah, so I did that. And I played like solo stuff a lot. Did a lot of more experimental music-y mm -hmm. stuff. Did, you know, weird theater parties where my friend was, per was doing percussion on a typewriter or something uh -huh. like that, you know. Um, that was a fun show, actually. But, <laughs> but then when I moved to Chicago, it was the weirdest thing. I moved to Chicago back in 97. Yeah, early 97. Mm-hmm. And I got signed right off the bat to this fledgling label. Like, I didn't uh -huh. even mean to. I didn't know what I was doing. I just was a guy screwing around with a four-track in my apartment. And the guy downstairs was a friend of, uh, of an, was a boyfriend of another friend of mine. Mm -hmm. Heard what I was doing and took me into the studio and, mm -hmm. like, basically made an album. And then promptly got in an argument with his boss, quit the job, and said, it's okay, I got you out of the contract, too. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like... And the, but the thing is, it's like 43-year-old 40, 40, Chris is going, yeah. that is so terrible. But 24-year-old Chris is like, thanks. 
thank you for getting me out of that. I didn't want to work with anybody but you. Um, but oh, no. <laughs> I, was it, I was probably in the wrong place anyway. Was, you know, they didn't understand. That's anything. funny because that's happened to me quite often where someone will get me in with someone and then it'll be like their connections burn and uh -huh. then I'm like, oh, well, there I go. <laughs> yeah. Falling away. Yep. Falling away. Yeah. Um, so I did like solo stuff and I was in the improv at IO. It's like, anyway, for back in those days. But then I was in this band for like four years that was also a sketch comedy group cool. um, that was called Low Shut Up. Mm -hmm. um, and it was me and this guy, Tony Mendoza, who's currently in a group called The French Goodbye. Uh -huh. He was also a teacher at The Annoyance for years. And a woman named Joanna Beasy, mm -hmm. uh, who's a member of Sirens Improv. Okay. Uh, and my friend Holly Lipper was in there for a while, who also helped me with the music on uh, the audiobook that I have out. Oh, uh, okay. She helped me with the music on that. Um, anyway, so uh, me and, and, and Joanna and Tony, we had the sort of sketch uh, background. So after, so after a year together, so we started realizing you know, we don't have to just play these rock shows. Mm -hmm. We were having fun playing the rock shows and the clubs and everything. Mm -hmm. But um, found out, you know, we had like little opportunities to work with like the, with CIC early on when mm -hmm. I was a resident artist with CIC back in those years, a chemically imbalanced comedy. Um, it's a theater here in Chicago. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was already doing a solo show there called uh -huh. Chris's Slumber Party where I was uh, just telling stories and playing mm -hmm. guitar and that kind of thing. And that was fun. But um, anyway, um, we started doing this low shut up thing and we decided well let's pare it down and do it as like an acoustic comedy show small stage kind of thing cool. and i you know i played acoustic guitar and jo uh -huh. joanna you know always yeah she, she always played the electric bass i think because like you know who carries around an acoustic bass it's yeah <laughs> less trouble to carry around the electric bass for, mm -hmm. at that point um but uh and then tony played uh, a toy drum set but he couldn't play real drumsticks so he chose to uh, use carrot sticks Huh. And by the end of any given show, there were carrots all over the stage, pieces of carrots all over the stage. Well, because they just they would just break. Like, yeah. And, just, and it was hilarious. And I remember uh -huh. one night we actually brought like a salad bowl and put it underneath uh -huh. it. So, but we did that for a number of years. And then finally in 2004, Second City asked us to be one of the first two groups mm -hmm. for their first ever uh, series of what they called it Second City Unhinged. Mm. And it was considered like the best in alternative comedy in Chicago. Cool. So we were up there, uh, it was six Tuesdays in a row. It was the first time I ever got paid by Second City. Awesome. You know, it was the only time I ever got paid by Second City. Made some of that conservatory money back, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, that and a t-shirt that doesn't fit anymore. Um, oh, no. But, um, Mine's a little tight, too. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> at any rate, that was a lot of, and then the band promptly broke up immediately after the show. Mm -hmm. Like, we, were, we actually, actually, it's funny. We made the money specifically to Rick so that we could go back into the studio and make a second EP that, uh, uh -huh. like, uh, and as soon as we finished recording it, the drummer, Tony, was like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I, I, I got other stuff. I, I, I think that's when he started doing his own music. And stuff. Um, I think back in those days, and we probably still would have to admit, we don't really truly get each other. Okay. So we're friends on Facebook mm -hmm. and, you know. It's like a really great we, creative we, partnership. We wish each other well, but yeah. we don't really hang out. We haven't mm -hmm. hung out in years. Gotcha. You know? Not really since the band broke up, so, but he's a good guy, and if if you're into the French Goodbye, and you should be, they're a good band. So, oh, cool. um, and they're, they tour all over the place. He's he's uh, he's busy with that. So right now you're working on that documentary, and what else? What's coming up next for Chris? All right, so what's coming up next for Chris is more stuff from Mint Four Hundred Records. Mm -hmm. um, I'm working on sort of the soundscapey, spoken wordy stuff. Mm -hmm. I wrote a bunch of like really weird little. Uh, I don't know, I guess sort of verging on Shel Silverstein-like poems uh -huh. um, that I am going to 
hopefully have somebody illustrate either like actually the head of the label is a really good artist also my older brother is a really good artist cool. and so I might have uh, one or both of them work on it I don't know mm-hmm. um, and kind of use that also as the lyrics to some of the spoken wordy stuff mm-hmm. or some of the songs that we do for uh, for this soundscapey thing I'm doing right now I don't know what I'm gonna call it you know whatever and then also we're gonna along with hopefully submit 400 artists if uh, if they want to jump on board once the uh, doc- documentary is in more of a, a state where you can kind of see what's happening mm-hmm. and everything but the music is there uh mint 400 is going to hopefully come together and help us do a little bit of a soundtrack for oh, it okay. as is my friend Pinegar that uh, uh she, at least she said she wouldn't mind helping anyway i don't know that we'd necessarily have anything in stone yet uh but uh, that would be amazing it, it, it would be fun because yeah. she's cool and i love her music and you should you should listen to your music because I bet you would really enjoy her music. I will check it out. Is it like pop sort of sound? Um, yeah, kind of pop country mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. But in, but she's in England and so mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that changes anything. But you know, it changes everything. Now she has to <laughs> sing about tea. That's right. <laughs> And, and I do like, at one point in one of her songs, she says she's just a girl from Kansas City. I'm like, hey, I, I'm a guy from Kansas City. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yay! <laughs> so. The recognizable similarities. Okay. Yeah. Uh, cool. So then, uh, I guess just if you were uh, going to ask people to check something out on the internet, what's your internet presence like? Well, I'll tell you, I am just busy on Facebook all the time. Uh, feel free to friend me if you want. I don't know. But actually on Facebook and just Google uh, the name of my book or go to Mint 400 Records. It's called The Ballad of the Small Talker. Um, And uh, you can download it either by going to the Mint 400 website or by going to CD Baby. Um, And it's it's about six hours and it's really kind of silly. It's like um, the most the world's most optimistic like a shopping mall greeter <laughs> working in a shopping mall that's sort of designed by the same architect that designed Willy Wonka's place, mm-hmm. you know. It's, it has that kind of feel to it, cool. um, but then he, uh, it kind of takes a dark turn and he refuses to uh, he refuses to get sad or upset about okay. it. He, he decides he's going to deal with it strictly with positivity, which is probably a, a bad choice for most people, but <laughs> you'll, have to, you'll have to see how it turns out for him or listen to it. But yeah. the music's cool and, of course, Nate... It has the perfect voice for the narration and mm-hmm. all the voices, all the characters and stuff. Yeah. So, awesome. Hope everybody will check out The Ballad of the Small Talker. All right. And I'll include the link in the description so that you guys definitely can get to that. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much for being on, Chris. Thank you. Like, you are amazing. And um, everybody who's listening on the go or watching on your phones or your laptop, um, no, you're more amazing. Uh, please go ahead and also check me out at Vicki Ironstone on Twitter. Also check out the at Eisenstein EFCT account on Twitter. That's the official one for this. Uh, I just use my own Instagram, but I was like, maybe I should make a special Instagram for this. I don't know. Guys, I'm not good with, I'm pretty good with marketing, but I'm not that good with marketing. <laughs> It gets overwhelming at some point. I'm only one woman. So, um, also, I'm. I looking... looked around. There aren't any more of her back here. So. Yeah, no, yeah. I have failed to clone myself multiple times. I right. end up with a toenail. <laughs> so, basically, what I'm saying, guys, is make sure you're subscribed. All right, thank you a lot. And uh, thank you so much, Chris, again. And help me. Yay. Mm-hmm.